it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet show of 2023. We're getting to that stage, aren't we? The relatives just won't leave. The turkey's on the turn. The celebrations have got nothing but bounties left in them. But it's the end of the year, and we're going to bring you one last festive treat. Something Santa left at the next-door neighbours, and they didn't get it to you in time. This is Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet's top 10 list of 2023 both men's and women's. I'm Ross McLeod. I'm joined by David Hockney. David, how are you? Well, I'm another year older now because on the 20th, I just turned 32 years old. That's the the highlight of my holidays. (laughs) Well, you don't look a day over 46. Anyway, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Um, Yes, uh, a massive year for wrestling. A year where, as the tweet said, hell literally froze over. Um, TNA's back, AEW sold out Wembley Stadium, Sting announced his retirement, Edge left WWE, CM Punk went back to WWE. So much went on. We saw the breakout years of the likes of Dominic Mysterio, Sami Zayn and more. And, of course, who can forget? Yeet. Yeet. (laughs) We barely knew yeet. Anyway, <laughs> uh, before we get into the top 10s, men's and women's list, just remember we have a massive back catalogue of this past year and for many, many years. It's Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and all good on Android podcasting sites. I think Anchor's still a thing. I'm not too sure. Anyway. I think it's a bigger phone now. <laughs> oh, well then. Go there instead. At Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Get involved in the conversation. Tell us who your top 10 men and women were of 2023. I was about to say 2015 there. I don't know why. Uh, Where did that come from? That that would have been a bad list to do, wouldn't it? (laughs) Jesus. Oh, horrendous, yeah. Who's your 2015 list? Kevin Owens and Rusev. That's it. Um, Top. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But... Of course, there's always some controversy. There's always some people left off. There's always a few that don't quite make the cut. People who maybe had a top 10 year, 
but were voted out on points because they didn't have that top five here. We uh, suplex retweet uh, with 19 other contributors uh, compiled compiled a top 10 list and sent it to the evil overlord of producing that is David Campbell. He compiled our lists mathematically. I know it's boring all of you except Stephen and David this, um, <laughs> but he compiled a list of the top 10, the official top 10 list with everyone put together. But as I said, people always miss the cuts. David, I'm going to give you two minutes to rant in a minute over people you feel should have made it. The men's 15 to 11 people that just missed out on the top 10, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Dominic Mysterio, Damian Priest, and John Moxley. That's 15 to 11 for the men's. I'll give you two minutes to rant starting now. Yeah, Dom and Priest not making the top 10 is outrageous. I mean, look how far Dom Dom has come in the space of the last 12 months. You know, he's biggest skill in the company. He's improved month on month. He's won the NXT North American title twice. He's been in multiple high-profile feuds. He's one of the most in one of the most over factions in Judgment Day at the minute, and he's had arguably the most matches this year. So he's been consistently proving, you know, every single month on end, his chemistry with Mami is unparalleled. How you can exclude Dominic from this top ten for men's list is is beyond me. And the same could be said for Damian Priest. You know, albeit it was a bit of a slow burner at the start of the year, but look how much profile he's gained you know he's had a match with bad bunny at backlash and arguably one of the most like socially viral entrance moments of the entire year he won the money in the bank contract he's won the tag titles twice with finn balor and he's been consistently in and around the main event scene so why why you're excluding two very key members of judgment day off the 2023 list like well, I, I I swear people are like drinking paint before they wrote their lists. I'll tell us how you really feel, David. <laughs> <laughs> In regards to the AEW picks that missed out, uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, and John Moxley, do you feel that's um, due to the fact that they had period where they were out injured, or do you feel that the controversy surrounding CM Punk maybe affected his rating? Yeah, I think CM Punk's controversy. Uh, you know, it's particularly around Wembley time. I think that's sort of dampened a lot of people's opinion of him. And also, I think he was also riddled with injury as well. You know, I think he had a he was out for a good while because he never lost the title. He was suspended for a little bit following that uh, the all out media scrum. So, yeah, not a lot of positivity to be associated with uh, with Punk in his AEW tenure. Same with Moxley and Danielson. I mean, sure, they're they're like consistent features of AEW TV as part of Blackpool Combat Club. Danielson is in some banging matches throughout the year, but I don't know. He just, his appearances seem a bit too sporadic. You know, obviously he's battling a recovered, recovering from an orbital bone injury and Moxley, I think, you know, he was, he was dealing with the, with the concussion issues as well, despite, you know, winning the international championships as well. I mean, I had him on my list at number nine. But we'll move on from that just now um, for the men's side because I know a lot of people, uh, AEW watchers, would have had Moxley quite high. I think, speaking to David Campbell, um, a lot of the Judgment Day members cancelled each other out. A couple of people went with Finn and Damien. A couple of people went with Dom and Damien. A couple of people, you know, just went for Dom. I had Dominic Mysterio at number six on my list. I thought he had that great a breakout year. Um, I had number 
five, I think. No, seven, seven. So as as a year, um, but I'll let you go once again. Once I give you the women's fifteen to eleven. Uh, Sorry, Julia or Julia. I don't know how you spell it. Uh, sorry, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's G U I L I A. I think that was maybe for a new Japan person on Scott and Grant's list. I'm not sure. Um, I think it's pronounced Julia. All right, well, Julia. Uh, Jude Cardgill, Trinity, Chris Statlander, and Tiffany Stratton, 15 to 11. By the way, what's your. Th- yeah, I think Tiffany Stratton not making the cut seems a bit harsh. Because she's come leaps and bounds on NXT, you know, she's sort of broken out of that um, that assumption, you know, she was going to be arriving as this daddy's girl character, you know, I've got unlimited credit cards, I like shopping, you know, she was very much a Barbie type character to begin with, but throughout the year, she just slowly evolved into Oppenheimer, you know, pulling out stuff that I don't think anybody expected her to, to generate. And, you know, she's had some great matches with Becky Lynch, she's... She's held her own in the Iron Survivor match, and she's consistently a top name, you know, in among the, the women's division of NXT. So I think definitely most improved in terms of the women's side. So that's why I had her on my list at number six, actually. So, but I guess other people didn't really see it that way. What about the likes of? Chris Statlander, Trinity, and Jade Cargill. Uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Yeah, I had to miss Trinity off of my list because I think obviously she had disappeared for some time before returning to TNA. So, although the same could be said with Chris Statlander, although I did put her on number eight on my list, but I write that down to the number of times she's defended the TBS championship, and she's just been a consistent, a consistent performer for AEW. Same could be said with. Uh, with Jade Cargill, and obviously she got a lot of hype around her signing with WWE, so I had her at number nine, uh, given that she didn't compete as much, but so that's why Statlander was higher on my list as opposed to Jade. But, yeah, I think it was going to be very, very close. You know, they were sort of near the bottom, but I can understand why they wouldn't make the cut on the grand scheme. Yeah, I think uh, more people watched, I think, a couple of Impact women wrestlers would have been higher um, but yeah Aquile, popularity mm-hmm. yeah I mean, it's a democracy <laughs> you, know, you have to like you know go with the, the overall consensus once again I'll talk about the Simpsons when will people learn democracy doesn't work anyway <laughs> shall we talk about the top 10 the number 10s so we're going to do this um, we're going to have a discussion about both the men and the women at the same time. So we're going to go number 10 on each list, number 9 on each list, and we're going to just kind of do that, have a wee chat, with conversation, see how it goes. We'll have a review of both lists at the end before we talk about the women's number one and the men's number one. Um, But let's talk about the number 10s, coming in at number 10. For the men's list, Orange Cassidy, and for the women's list, and I didn't think you'd say this at the start of the year, Trish Stratus, Trish Stratus having uh, another run, another run where she's more main event than she was last time. And I think all we have to say here, David, is thank you, Trish. (laughs) Thank you, Trish, indeed. You know, she gave us some absolute bangers, not to mention, you know, she put Zoe Stark on the main roster uh, in a way. 
But would thank her for that. Um, <laughs> but I think we could thank her for that excellent cage match with Becky Lynch at Payback. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, I think um, the Becky Lynch feud was absolutely sensational. I think we had a worry this year with Becky Lynch. Um, that she was maybe going to get lost in the shuffle. And we'll maybe talk about her a bit later on, depending on where she falls on the list. But Trish Stratus, she appears, she doesn't look like she's lost a step. You know, we were very critical of Lita. She's not on this top 10 for her short run, and she won a mm-hmm. title. Yep. She mm-hmm. has the tag match on Raw, turns on Becky Lynch, becomes so great, so, so over. I remember Gary Kernan saying that I forgot just how good Trish Stratus was on the mic. He goes, I, I don't remember her being that good on mm-hmm. the mic. And, you know, they say the best storylines are true. Maybe some of the stuff she was saying was true. You know, she was the one in bikini contests and uh, segments with Vince McMahon to allow people like Becky Lynch to get to the main events of WrestleMania. And it was I thought it was great that she was able to come back and have this run not only the match with Becky in Saudi Arabia, but the match at Payback in Steel Cage, and competing in Money in the Bank. She was in the Money Bank match, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Obviously, I think was um, pretty sure Zoe Stark was involved at that match, and it was uh, sort of like a dual effort to get Trish the briefcase. But let's not forget as well, she also competed at WrestleMania alongside Becky and Lita to face Damage Control, which I, I think in all fairness was... Yeah when I opened my point by saying she was at WrestleMania. <laughs> oh. Oh, sorry. It's, uh, we're, well, re- right. we're recording this on a Monday and my, my brain's just numb tonight. <laughs> it's all right. Continue your point anyway. What was your point yeah. about WrestleMania? She basically, she had an impact on a lot of major shows throughout the year, particularly, particularly when Money in the Bank was in London this year. So definitely a huge, huge reception for Trish there. And, but yeah, the, the feud with Becky definitely carried her throughout the summer. And it just goes to show that even in her late 40s, you know, she can still go. And, you know, what you were saying about she was a demon on the mic. I, I can't remember the last time. I think the last time she had she was that good on the mic was during the, the 2004 feud with Lita. So, like, obviously mocking her size, mocking her about her kayfabe miscarriage and all that. But. I mean, that stuff back then was pretty taboo and stuff. So, and it's it's mad thing, like 20 years later, you know, she's still like active in some way in the eyes to a new generation of fans. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm glad she got to have one last run on her own terms. You know, she did have that match with Charlotte a few years ago. Uh, and I thought, I thought it was well-deserved. And once again, thank you, Trish. Let's move on to number 10 on the men's list. Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy comes into the year as the AEW International Champ, or sorry, the All Atlantic Champion, which was later renamed the AEW International Championship on March fifteenth, holding the title for three hundred and twenty-six days, defending it against all comers uh, before losing it to John Moxley all out, before winning it back on Title Tuesday on October the tenth. He in the past year and a bit, he has not been champion for what? He's not been a champion for 37 days. There you are. That's crazy. Since, since October 12, 
2022, Orange Cassidy has not been a champion for 37 days. That is an absolutely stellar run, considered. And I think that the best thing about this is as well, we've found the niche for Orange Cassidy because I think at the start it was too much, maybe too much gimmick, maybe too much, like, AEW was a weird place at the start. You know, you had uber serious, personal, we're going up against the machine, and then you had Dinosaur Man. And it was... And freshly squeezed. Yes, and Orange Cassidy, you know, like the the Mimosa Mayhem match. I mean, Jesus Christ, if you want to derail a push, put someone up against Chris Jericho. But (laughs) he found his niche... uh, he defeats Pac for the, the title uh, in Toronto and holds it for nearly a year, defends it against all comers, gets to show off his in-ring prowess while still working the gimmick and giving the the mid-card a real solid title because at times it feels in, in AEW where titles get passed about willy-nilly, Orange Cassidy holding that one title, that, that one beacon, I, I think he really shone for AEW this year um, mm-hmm. and well-deserved, I say. Ah, for sure, yeah. Um, he's almost cemented himself as sort of like AEW's workhorse champion. You know, a guy who defends the title in week in, week, week, in, week out against a, a plethora of talent from all corners of the globe. But he hasn't lost, you know, the, the charm factor behind his gimmick. You know, people still like that he does the kicks of death. He likes that he wears his sunglasses. He wrestles with his hands in his pockets. It's just very oddly unique stuff that makes him a very good highlight reel. Not necessarily main event level, but a consistent mid-card attraction where he can go in the ring. He's over with the crowd and he doesn't need to talk on a mic to show how charismatic he is. He's he's great. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So our number 10s on this year's list, Trish Stratus and Orange Cassidy. Moving into number nine, number nine on the men's list, Roman Reigns, number nine this year. And on the women's list, Impact Wrestling, soon to be TNAs, Diana Perazzo. Uh, let's start with Roman Reigns. Roman had that great run at the start of the year with the... Um, three title defences against Owens, Sammy and Cody. The feud against Cody that I have to finish the story. He came in with all the momentum uh, from 2022 because he was constantly wrestling in 2022. 2023, we saw him take a massive hiatus um, after the Bloodline storyline. But I think, and you know, I'm, I'm going to call myself out here for it because I didn't put him on. Maybe sometimes less is more because with Roman Reigns, that three-match series followed by the tag team match against Sami and KO against the Usos and then tribal combat against Jey Uso. It has launched Jey Uso into single single uh, superstardom and the the reaction at Money in the Bank for, for what could have been a house show tag team match they managed to turn that into an international pay-per-view main event, uh, Roman Reigns and Solo against the Usos. It was so good, and it, ju- it just shows how good Roman Reigns is all round, because 
you know, there's still, even in this historic reign, there's still people that think, oh, he can't wrestle, oh, he can't do this, oh, he can't do that. No, he can do everything. And it might only have been six matches uh, uh, from Royal Rumble to SummerSlam, but all six of those matches were match of the year contenders. For sure, yeah. Like, I mean, he didn't make my list either, but largely because of his sporadic number of matches. But I still remember at the start of the year, right up until SummerSlam, we were saying like everything with the bloodline is pure cinema gold. You know, everything he had with KO and Sammy, Sammy turning on him. Like he was the 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 mega heel of the year for a good chunk of the year. Kind of like, you know, Triple H is the final boss in 2004, 2005. And he would only wrestle like on the big stage and in the high profile matches, you know, most of the time it would just be defending the title on pay-per-view, the aforementioned bloodline civil war. I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, between the interaction between him, the Usos solo, etc., and also KO and Sammy to an extent, it really was spectacular storytelling. I just think he's a bit lower on the list just because the aforementioned sporadic matches, but storytelling wise, yeah, he's definitely up there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, let's talk Diana Perazzo. Diana Perazzo, so often the cornerstone of the women's division in Impact Wrestling. Um, I often feel kind of like Charlotte Flair in the women's division in WWE. When she's not in the in the main title picture, I feel it's sometimes a waste of her. Um, Perazzo won the title for the third time. The Impact, knock- sorry, the Impact Knockouts World Championship. For a third time at Rebellion, defeating uh, old rival Jordan Grace uh, to win the vacant title after Mickey James was injured. Um, she had she had another classic match under siege against uh, against Grace. Um, she challenged Trinity at Slammiversary, gr- uh, dragged two great matches out of Trinity, and then had a third match with Grace at Victory Road. Uh, losing the third and uh, final match, but just three great matches with Jordan Grace, three great matches with Trinity. I, I urge every single person to go check them out. Diana Perazzo, it looks like she's leaving Impact at final resolution this past Saturday. Sorry, it's past Saturday at time of recording, folks. The magic of television. Uh, mm-hmm. Perazzo looked like uh, she had said her goodbye. She shook hands with her tag partner Giselle Shaw before Giselle Shaw laid her out in the middle of the ring. Uh, John Grace and her have been posting goodbye videos on social media. So it looks like Diana Perazzo is going to be a free agent in 2024. And if I was AEW or WWE, I'd be getting my checkbook out now because she is so good. For sure. You know, we said this point last year, I think uh, Diana was like one of the highest rated women on the entire circuit. And 2021, she was ranked number three in the PWI Women's 150. And this year, 2023, she's ranked number seven in the Women's 250. So, I mean, accolades like that like that don't go unnoticed. And, you know, as you said, you know, she's been a, like a, keep, like a, a crown jewel, no pun intended, for, uh, for Impact TNA. And I really hope... WWE learns from the mistakes and maybe gives her a second run, maybe on the main roster this time. I mean, who knows? She could be a surprise entrant in the Women's Rumble. You know, that could be her signing yeah. back, the same way that Chelsea Green was brought back. I wouldn't mind her um, 
and NXT because NXT seems to be pretty good for women. Um, you know, we just saw the Iron Survivor Challenge there. A lot of women do get a chance in NXT. Um, I just think her timing was rotten. You know, it was the pandemic era. They were they were using a select few superstars, and that was it. And unfortunately, she didn't get her opportunity. But I think this time around, I think it's a different WWE. It's a different landscape. I really hope she doesn't go to AEW just for the simple fact that Timeless Tony Storm is on the run of her life at the minute. She will be champion for the foreseeable future. Chris Statlander looks to be on eh, sorry, looks to be on the warpath to retain the TBS title eh, after losing it to Julia Hart. So I don't see success for Diana Perazzo in AEW anytime soon. And I really think she's better than languishing in the Ring of Honor women's division. I really do. Mm-hmm. But we'll move on to number eight. So Here's here's where it gets interesting with the democracy and everything. Jey Uso at number eight, he was tied uh, for ninth with Roman Reigns, but it was on one more list, so he gets that number eight spot. Jey Uso, um, yeet, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what can you say? And you summed it up, yeet. Um, <laughs> a year he breaks. I'm not sure we can say it because it was copyrighted. I know. A year he breaks out on his own. Um, the bloodline drama with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania, main eventing WrestleMania. Um, I mentioned uh, on a central before that there's been between all the world championships in WWE, the the world heavyweight, the WWE, the undisputed, the Universal. There's been 56 world champions in WWE. There's only been 43 WrestleMania main eventers. Jey Uso is in rarefied air there. And hey, did you think at the start of the year, I'm talking about people being WWE champion, did you think people would be clamouring for Jey Uso to be the WWE champion? I mean, I wasn't clamouring for it personally, but I think, you know, I was a bit I was a bit iffy on this one because, I mean, sure, Jey's had an excellent second half of the year breaking out as a solo guy. It's just that I think the Usos as a tag team alone you know, if I could say, let's put the Usos on the top 10 of the list, of the list then definitely I would put them up there. Um, but I suppose Jay's interaction with Sammy, you know, even post, you know, Sammy getting kicked out, etc. You know, it was like, and then obviously kicking Jimmy out and then kicking Roman to kick himself out. But I'm saying kicking too much here. Um, <laughs> it was, I mean, the story of Jay Uso was like, you know, he was basically constantly getting abused in the in the bloodline. But amongst that, he was having a really successful title run with his brother. He main evented WrestleMania, and he's now closing the year out with another victory in War Games. He's won the tie titles again with Cody Rhodes. And yeah, he's massively, massively over with the crowd and a big merch seller at the same time. Never thought I'd see the day where Jey Uso as a solo guy would make a top 10 of the year, if I'm being honest, because I always thought the Usos were going to be like tied together for the rest of their careers. Well, it happened more than once that uh, when one got into an injury or a bit of legal trouble, the other one was kept off TV. But Jey Uso, um, riding, riding all this momentum and I think it's thoroughly deserved. I, I think he should have been the one to dethrone Roman. I think just the storyline was perfect. The two matches before it, 
Um, the tag title match they got involved in at Crown Jewel and the Tribal Warfare, where he pins Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, sorry, he's the last person to do so. He was the first person to do so since 2019. Jey Uso, I think, has had a breakout year and he's in and about the world title scene at the minute. Um, I really wouldn't mind Jay versus Jimmy for the world title now. You know, that, that's where um, I'm at at this point. I think there's more of a blood feud between the two. I don't think I think that's a that's a feud that doesn't need a title to. No, no, it doesn't need a title, but it's it's a feud that now could carry the title. And I didn't think I'd say that. The, he was part of War Games once again, once again on the winning side. He's just with Sammy a, once again as well. Yep, teaming with Sammy once again. He's just had a sensational year, and I like as well that it's not just, hey guys, I'm a good guy now. There is people like Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton and Seth Rollins who and Kevin Owens who were very much, we don't trust him, and he's had to win everyone over. And I think that's just added layers and layers and layers to the character. Jey Uso, a very well-deserving number eight, in my opinion. On the women's side at number eight, it's Bailey. It's Bailey entering the year with damage control, kind of get kicked around by Bianca Belair at the end of 2022. Um, Bianca and whoever she could muster up as friends. Then they kind of played the whipping boys to Trish and Trish, Becky and Lita. But once... Once Eo Sky, and we'll talk about her later on, started to make waves, this is where we've seen Bailey start to start to upset the balance and start to be upset that the balance of damage control is no longer her group. I think um I think Bailey has been a master manipulator this year in storyline, and I'm I'm interested to see how it ends, you know. I know Gary's hoping and praying it ends with a Bailey face turn and he can bring Lucy back to the wrestling, but <laughs> it's just it's been some year for Bailey. Um the the mouthpiece for damage control and just showing why her being out for eighteen months prior to her comeback at last year's SummerSlam was such a detriment to the company. Yeah, massively. Like I didn't have Bailey on my list personally because as far as I can tell, I couldn't record any major wins for Bailey as a solo person or as teaming with damage control. You know, I think, you know, most of the effort was carried by the, the, the other members, if I'm being honest. But she did have that overarching presence and she has also been a consistent factor for damage control throughout 2023. You know, she's sort of dictating the pace a little bit, you know, sort of controlling the narrative, so to speak. But it does seem like, you know, the rest of Damage Control is trying to usurp her a little bit. And I have noticed, you know, towards the end of the year, she is growing her hair out longer than that usual Karen-style bob cut she's been used to for a few years. So maybe she's growing it back out to, to ponytail length, perhaps. Perhaps we shall wait and see. I think she deserves to be on it because maybe she might not have had major wins, but her uh, her presence... Her her stature as one of the biggest wrestl- women's wrestlers the WWE have ever produced, and her mic skills have carried damage control. You know, and um, mm-hmm. Sky, you, you know, English is her second language, but she isn't the best on the mic. 
and she has carried this momentum and yeah I think it's very much well deserved um, number 7 on both lists yeah LA yeah. Knight what a year for LA Knight um, he, he ended last year shedding that horrendous uh, Max Dupree gimmick um, just absolutely god awful showed that he's still built like a, a brick you know what house he can still go in the ring he carried and listen uh, rest in peace Bray Wyatt but that feud was boring and the, chari- the charisma of LA Knight carried that feud he came out of that feud that disastrous feud where he was squashed even more over than he was before so much so that the arena in Los Angeles booed Bobby Lashley for winning the the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal he got people to care about the Andre the Giant Memorial <laughs> Battle Royal he eventually got his chance he started getting a winning streak he gets into money in the bank he was over like anything. I know the crowd were disappointed he didn't win. He gets his big battle royal win at SummerSlam, right in the wrong of WrestleMania weekend. And he got into the WWE title picture. A great year for LA Knight. And I even forgot, endorsed by John Cena. Endorsed by John Cena. And at one point was the highest merch seller on WWE.com. Yeah. Like, I was pretty generous with where I put him on the list. I had him as number three because it's been a. It's not since John Cena in 2004 where I think a superstar on SmackDown has gathered that much momentum from fan support, from merch sales, and even a little nudge from the booking team. Like, and it's just ridden that wave of momentum throughout the year. It's, um, it really is sort of one of those homemade, well, not homemade, but one of those success stories. You know, a guy who made his name in TNA as Eli Drake, he had a brief period in NXT as Million Dollar Champion with Ted DiBiase. You know, he's brushing shoulders with the big names here. And, you know, he pretty much closes the year out, you know, still feuding with the bloodline. He got his title match against Roman Reigns. Didn't come out on top, but it was the crowd that carried him to that point. And it was his natural charisma, his mic skills. And even, even his ring skills, like, you know, like you said, he can still go in the ring. I mean, he was like really, really a nice breath of fresh air, especially when it seems to like he operates better as a heel. He works brilliantly as a face as well, but almost like an anti-hero face. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Apologies to leave you hanging with that. Yeah, there, I was eating a biscuit. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, just sheer charisma and... I don't think he was ever... I think it was more a hope that he was going to win the, the world title. I don't think he was ever in any danger of uh, usurping Roman. But the the arrogance and swagger during that whole feud, it's not something we've seen against Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has been very protected, <clears throat> very... Who is this to come up against me? That's That's been his sort of attitude. And to me... He's just he's been so good. The the 
where he interrupts the entrance, easy for me to say, interrupts the entrance, and just charges by Roman as Paul Heyman's looking <laughs> on in disbelief. Just yeah. such a great visual. Um, oh, amazing. Just yeah. amazing. According to fellow contributor Daniel Campbell, who was at the um, the October Glasgow, October show in Glasgow at the Hydro, apparently he said LA Knight got a bigger pop than Drew McIntyre that night. Jesus. And it was the loudest by far of the entire night. It's just, it's, it's lightning in a bottle and I hope they don't, I hope they don't fluff it. Uh, David Campbell's uh, fantasy booking forum is him against Logan Paul at WrestleMania. I'm all um, for that. Yes, you know, I'm all for that. Let's talk about number seven on the women's list. That's Hikaru Shida uh, returning to AEW in the summer of 2023. She immediately heads into the title picture. She beats Tony Storm for the title. She holds the title for 25 days, has a match at Wembley Stadium, loses to Soraya before winning the title back, before getting in a feud with timeless Tony Storm, once again losing the title at full gear. I talked to you about this before we came on air, that um, Hikaru Shida... Not a sensational year, but if I was doing this list, I'd probably put it at number 10. I think I did put it at number 10 in my list. But she was someone who was solid, and I compared it to early pre-Nudie Kofi Kingston, mm-hmm. that so many of his title changes felt random, but the butterfly effect around them was so much bigger. You know, Dolph Ziggler's uh, first title in WWE, uh, winning his first title in WWE during the Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho feud, uh, winning uh, Evan Bond's only title in WWE, being part of Artrus uh, main roster face push. Um, just so much in Kofi Kingston's career, uh, winning the title for Cesaro so he could drop it to Dean Ambrose and start the dominant era of the Shield. Just so many of Kofi's title changes were like that. That's kind of what Hikaru Shida's been like this year. She wins the title. She causes the the outcasts a downfall uh, through the mistrust. She's part of the the Wembley semi main event. Uh, she is having great matches with Soraya on Dynamite. She's part of the feud with Timeless Tony Storm, one of the best gimmicks in wrestling today. I think she is the foil there, and you sometimes need a great foil. Sometimes you can have someone that's just a bit vanilla, puts on a great match, and plays their part well. And I think that's all I can really say about Karashida this year. Yeah, I had her as number seven on my list as well. So she's come out where I was expecting. And yeah, she's accomplished a fair bit in the in the summer. You know, she's won the AEW women's title twice. She's now, I think, the only person to win the title three times. As you mentioned, she got that big match at Wembley. Her gimmick stands out massively, you know, the whole uh, sort of Japanese warrior a little bit. It's um, She's definitely an old, an old reliable when it comes to AEW's women's division. She's racked up, you know, plenty of wins on Dynamite and Collision at the same time and Rampage as well. Definitely has the Kofi Kingston factor behind it. You know, she's never in the wrong place. She's always in the right place at the right time for the purposes of storylines. But 
as an undercard talent, you know, she's consistently overperforming, picking up wins, and she's justifying herself, you know, why she should be a title, title contender. I think, but now that I say it out loud, maybe seven is probably a little bit high, all things considered, you know, given the discussion we had with uh, Bailey, Dionna, and Trish. But yeah, I think she's done enough to to justify a top 10 position for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think she deserves a top 10 position, but I don't think... I don't think I'm going to give much more time. I think I've stretched as much as I can at her Kashida <laughs> because I think she is just... she She's kind of there. You know what I mean? And deserving of a top 10 spot, I think. But at the same time, I think changes need to be made next year. Let's talk about number six on both lists. Uh, two NXT favourites. <clears throat> from years gone by. Sami Zayn at number six on the men's list. Asuka at number six on the women's list. Um, Sami Zayn, we'll come to him in a second. Let's start with Asuka, because Asuka, she ends the record-breaking reign of Bianca Belair, and I cannot thank her enough for that. Mm-hmm. And Night of Champions back in May. Um, she returned at the Royal Rumble way back in January with that more of a Katana-style gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to Wrestlemania I think a lot of people were disappointed not to see her win there but it did make the win that more sweet in Saudi Arabia uh, has a brief run with the title, has some good matches before dropping the title eventually to EO Sky and she's now part of Damage Control, she took a wee bit of time off, now part of Damage Control I think ironically um, Asuka who had a, a pretty good year, a pretty solid year the most interesting part for her, I think, is still to come because we talked about it with Bailey. Where does damage control go? Kyrie Sane's back. Um, Asuka's there. There's that deadly trio. Dakota Kai has the bond with Io Shirai of winning two women's tag titles together. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting to see where all these pieces land. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from Asuka this year. Yeah, I agree. You know, she comes back at the Rumble with the whole, you know, the the Kabuki face paint and stuff, looking a lot scarier than what she used to look like. You know, yeah, she just funny. had the the green the green paint just down her eyes, but now she's went full blown, you know, full blown katana, <laughs> shall we say, like proper Japanese demon. It's, uh, I think she did. You know, stumble a little bit, obviously, with the loss at Mania, because I think a lot of people had banked on Asuka to end the title reign, maybe just not as late as as Crown Jewel, etc. But she bounced back in a really good way. You know, she got a, a SummerSlam match out of it, and her heel turn to join Damage Control has definitely shook up the the foundations of the the faction. Because as you said, you know, she has history with with Kyrie Sane, she has history with Io Shirai. And by association, Dakota Kai could fit in there in some capacity, you know, with the, the her and Neo winning the tag titles prior to that. But yeah, it's all about the um the triple tails, kabuki warriors, partnerships between all three of the, the Japanese women. So I think there is potential for damage control to get reinvented as well. I mean, if it's just the three of them going forward and Dakota ends up siding with Bailey. That's still okay too. I mean, if you get one more person in there, that's a six-woman tag match, writes itself. And maybe if Bailey goes on to win the Rumble, 
she'll get her one-on-one match with you. Maybe. Um, it could be interesting, you know, the, the feud, maybe recruiting Bianca Belair um, into that feud. Um, be interesting to see her because I think she really does need a gimmick change. Uh, I've said it many a time on Central. But let's move to the men's number six. I mentioned them before. Sami Zayn. They say be careful what you wish for because it might not be everything you hoped. Sami Uso, he was he was inducted into the bloodline and then he he threw it away for his best friend. And I I loved every part of the storyline. I loved Sammy becoming an Uso, a made man. Kevin Owens saying, I'm not angry, I'm just done with you. Um, Sammy coming to Kevin's aid. Kevin coming to Sammy's aid, not for him, but for his family. Uh, Cody Rhodes being the, the master negotiator. He, he could solve anything, Cody. Cody's, Cody's got more power in WWE than he had in AEW. Um, putting, <laughs> putting Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn together again. The pop for a hug on a random episode of a March Smackdown. The pop for a hug. Honestly, all that was missing was Linkin Park's What I Done and directed by Michael Bay at the end. That was all that was missing from that shot. The main event, WrestleMania, they win the tag team titles. They defeat... um, They defeat Roman Reigns. They defeat the Usos as well. They, They have a great tag title run. They have a great couple of matches with damage control. A great underrated feud on TV with Pretty Deadly as well, I thought. Um, some great matches with Judgment Day. That match where Judgment Day won the title was absolutely sensational. It was Attitude Era-esque with yeah. all the shenanigans going on. And, match. Yep. And then once the the tag team broke up, um, we've seen it before where Kevin goes on to superstardom and Sammy kind of fizzles out. That's not happened here. Sammy has been involved with the Judgment Day. Sammy's been involved with the JUSO Redemption story. Sammy's been in war games yet again. He's now potentially, I mentioned Jimmy versus Jay, the more likely one, which people have mentioned, could be Sammy Zayn versus Drew McIntyre. Um, and I don't think many people would have seen that coming into 2023 that a heel Drew McIntyre going up against a moreover than at the start of the year, Sami Zayn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's just been sensational. And I think we talked about him being one of the highlights on our 2022 review show. It's just got better. He's just over-delivered again and again and again. He's taken everything given to him from the Johnny Knoxville to the Sami Usos to the to the snivelling, conniving, Randall-esque um, a wannabe Uso to just the most beloved guy in WWE. It's amazing, and I'm so happy for Sami Zayn. The only thing I would say, I actually think the Kevin Owens tag title run maybe dragged him down on a few people's lists. Mm, I don't know. It's difficult to say, really, because I think it's always the case with face characters winning championships on the main stage. You know, it's sort of like, now what? And I think their title reign was definitely more of a, almost like an exhibition match a little bit, or an, an exhibition reign. You know, they, they go against a good mix of tag teams. They always deliver on matches. The Steel City Street Fight in 
Pittsburgh uh, payback, I think it was. Yeah, they over-delivered on that in a lot of ways. But everything to do with the bloodline at the start of the year, you know, his interaction with the Usos, Jay in particular. I mean, they've practically been joined at the hip for most of the year. And just the interactions between the two, you can tell, like, you know, they've got, like, a proper friendship between two of them, you know, like my dog and whatnot. But from the start, you know, his build-up to Elimination Chamber in Montreal, the promo in Montreal the night before, I mean, it just elevated Sammy to a whole new level, you know, not like the level of popularity we'd seen since his days as the heart and soul of NXT. You know, like, he was was the guy that people wanted to get behind, and I think people now have a reason to get behind him again. I, th- I think it surpassed that. I really do. Mm. Maybe, maybe I just need a bit more convincing. But I think I see him in the same position as like Orange Cassidy. You know, he's a firm, firm favorite with the crowd. Main event talent, though, he's going to need something pretty spectacular to break it through that that glass ceiling. Because no, you know, we've no, seen. No, listen, not. listen, listen, listen. We've seen the story of you know. A beloved bearded underdog babyface, you know, trying to take down the big bat at WrestleMania before. It's been done and dusted a little bit too much these days. No, no shut up. Shut up. He's even more over than he was in NXT. NXT, I think people don't realize it was great. It was great what it was, but it was a small grassroots movement. He's now. I'll put him up against anyone, him and Jey Uso. This is why it's so surprising, you know, how far they've came. I'll put them up against anyone for pops. I really will because he's so over. Just listen to the reaction to the promo where he says, I'm a world heavyweight championship contender. Listen to the the pops and the near falls and the, the world title match he had on Raw. The crowd... We're begging for Sammy to be the champion. Listen to the pop when he hits Roman with a chair. Just just listen to it. Use your ears. Don't, don't overanalyze. I I spoke too long about Sammy at the start because I was enthralled and compelled and just enjoyed the fact that everything he has done this year has been so good. And I don't mean to say when I say maybe the Kevin Owens thing dragged him down. I just feel that when he was with Kevin and they had that, it was a bit, now what? But I don't think you'll get that in a stacked Raw division with the likes of Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Jey Uso, Drew McIntyre, all of the Judgment Day, and now potentially CM Punk. I don't think you're going to have that fatigue once Sami Zayn, Zayn becomes a world champion. And I think it's happening in 2024. It, it, I mean, hey, if you don't believe me, look at the attitude era. No one disliked Kane and Chris Jericho and Triple H any less. Yes, my dogs agree with me because The Rock and Stone Cold were on the show. It made them bigger stars. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe just now's not quite the right time for Sami Zayn, given you know the whole star power left with you know with. Cody, CM Punk, Randy Orton, you know, all these guys, you know, have started to make waves again on road to the Royal Rumble in WrestleMania. I think you need to ride that WrestleMania wave, you know, get the most you can out of CM Punk, you know, maybe 
pick a few of his boxes first and then we can go down the Sami Zayn route. So maybe yeah. Sami, I think, is still a work in progress at this point. No, but I, he does I, have the fan sport behind him. Absolutely not for me. See, when you've got someone as over as Sami Zayn, when that many big stars, as you mentioned there, are on the roster, you don't you don't turn that down. Anyway, we've we've hit the halfway point in both our lists. Just a quick recap to where we are just now. On the women's side of things, from 10 to 6, Trish Stratus, Diana Perrazzo, Bailey, Hikarashida and Asuka. On the men's side, Orange Cassidy, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, LA Knight and yeah. Sam. <laughs> um, let's go to number five. Let's talk about a man who's been here, there and everywhere. He's been in Impact. He's going to be in TNA. He's recently just signed with DAW. He'll be at Wrestle Kingdom. He was at Wembley. He was at Rev Pro. He's beaten Omega. He's beaten Jericho. He's beaten Okada. He's beaten Josh Alexander. He is Will Osprey. He is unreal at this point. It, just the work rate, the fact that he is over as anything in every one of these companies. I'm a little disappointed WWE didn't get him. He's going to be a AEW superstar um, as of uh, AEW Revolution. And sorry, uh, yeah, Revolution in February of 2024. And yeah, a sens- another sensational year. Another guy who. For those that are New Japan fans, and if you're a New Japan fan, East Meets West, available on this network, um, they know how good he is. He is a former IWGP World Champion or World Heavyweight Champion or whatever. It's been changed a hundred times as the WWE Universal title. Um, He renamed the United States title the UK title. That's now been renamed the global title. He'll be in a triple threat match at Wrestle Kingdom against David Finlay and John Moxley for the global title. Um, he <clears throat> He's done so much this year, and he's now part of the Don Callis family uh, in AEW. What were your thoughts on seeing um, Will Ospreay in AEW? Because we saw him at Wembley, obviously, in that great match Chris Jericho. For mm-hmm. me personally, I thought he was a guy in a bubble, in the New Japan bubble. Boy, was I wrong when I heard that pop at Wembley. Mm. Yeah, all I can really say is it was a real honour to have seen him perform live in Wembley. Like, the reception alone, you know, it just proves, you know, how much, you know, wrestling fans in general really respect his craft and how much he's accomplished. You know, he's he's been an absolute workhorse Throughout the entire year, renaming the IWGP US title to the UK title, which is now the global title, it's almost like he sort of made his mark, like in the most significant way possible, on that title. It said, "Right, this is mine, and no one's taking it from me." But the um, obviously, you know, him jumping between different promotions and stuff—it's really to get him. It's difficult to get him grounded a little bit. But then again, he is the aerial assassin, so it's hard to keep him grounded anyway. But um. I think the fact that, you know, he's been everywhere and everywhere is what puts him really high on this list. And he consistently delivers some of the best matches you'll ever see. I mean, he's one of the best in the world for for that reason. You know, not only is he brilliant in the ring, but he's also an absolute workhorse and a, a 
a proper professional as well, willing to negotiate with different companies, etc. Even if it's just for one-off appearances. I mean, he competed at RevPro the night before Wembley when Jericho attacked him. And still the current Rev Pro champion, actually. That's true, yeah. That entrance at Wembley alone, holy moly. I think that was probably one of the best moments of the night at Wembley, you know, just hearing elevated uh, in like in the background with the all that pyro going off on the roof of Wembley. It was magical just to see that entrance alone. He's treated like a super he's treated like a megastar. And he pulls out arguably one of the best matches of the night at Wembley, even though we were we were a good bit away. We could see exactly what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I can get a bit biased with the Wembley experience, but it was really spectacular to see him live. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, as well, uh, Impact Wrestling's first five-star match in over, in over a decade, over 20 years, um, Pardon me. I'm sorry, 18 years. His what was the last? By, by, I assume the last one was um, the uh, Joe Daniels and AJ. Yeah, the triple threat. Um, but he, would you call it him and Mike Bailey, an absolutely sensational match. Mike Bailey is someone, by the way, if he becomes a free agent and WWE or AEW use him right, I think he will go on to great things. He is... He competed in the best of the Super Juniors for New Japan. Him and Will Ospreay put on an absolute clinic. If Even if you don't like Impact, watch this match. It's sensational. And it's just, it's, it's another ma- sensational match in the back catalogue for Will Ospreay. But we move on to the women's number five, and it's Bianca Belair. Um, going to be honest, wouldn't have been on my list. Um, Bianca mm. Belair comes into the year as the longest reigning WWE women's or Raw women's champion, I should say. Um, She defends the title of WrestleMania against Asuka in a great match, but uh, had a great match against Io Sky in Puerto Rico where she was booed. Um, And I think that kind of sums up Bianca Belair, especially for me. The the character has not developed. I I always describe it as if you've got a nephew or a niece that's about five or six and they want to show you a cool thing and it's just them jumping, that's that's kind of being, I'm the quickest, I'm the fastest. How fast are you? I'm really fast. Okay, <laughs> thanks for that. Not a gimmick. It was a good, it was a good base for the gimmick. The, she's not developed for me and I think the damage control feud at the end of last year soured a lot of people on her. I think um, people people know the reaction to the Asuka feud because EO Sky in Puerto Rico was getting cheered at the building while Bianca Belair was booed when she won. Um, she has came back in the summer. She's been part of the women's division. Um, really annoying, not that really annoying face thing. I talked about how with Jey Uso's face turn, it wasn't just a, oh, hey, I'm a good guy now. Well, let's all be friends. It was that really annoying face thing that when they do something, it's right. And that's Bianca Belair's gimmick. She cost Charlotte the the title and then started screaming at her, it's not about you. And you're like, you just cost her the title. <laughs> Piss off. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, part one. Think- Sorry, you go. 
Well, I was going to say, but you can't take anything away from Bianca, though. I mean, she's broke the record for longest reigning Raw Women's Champion, but she also broke records at SummerSlam for shortest women's title reign at like 26 seconds. And then also records the shortest match, actually longest women's match in SummerSlam history and shortest women's match in SummerSlam history. So it's been a year of breaking records for Bianca Belair, both good and bad. Yeah, I just she's not a top five for me. She really, she really isn't. Um, I, I think I had her as I had her at number three, actually. Well, then again, it what? comes down to that consistency factor and the fact you know she was breaking, breaking more records, breaking more barriers, and just maintaining her place on that main event stage. Being really boring while doing it. But anyway, moving on. I like John Cena, two thousand five. Number four on both lists, Cody Rhodes and Tony Storm. Cody Rhodes, who would have thought when we sat here recording the post-WrestleMania Central, when so many people were down on the fact that Cody Rhodes didn't win, that Cody Rhodes would still be over, if not even more, over at this stage in the year. Cody Rhodes, he's on course to potentially win the Royal Rumble again. He's had two tag title runs. He's had three excellent matches with Brock Lesnar. He's had a great feud with the Judgment Day. He's been involved in the the JSO a face turn. He got Sammy and Kevin back together. He had a sensational uh, WrestleMania match, even though he didn't win against Roman Reigns. Corey Rhodes, what a year! Um, I, I will say this. If they don't pull the trigger on him at this WrestleMania, I don't know what they're doing. But he has come through the hard times to use a, times, a rather, on, rather on the nose quote there. Um, and the matches with Brock Lesnar were great. The feud with Judgment Day has been yeah. great. There's been some amazing matches in there, and long may it continue. I agree. I mean, I think it was a foregone conclusion he was going to win the Royal Rumble after returning from that nine-month uh, injury hiatus. But the build to WrestleMania, you know, the, the promo was Paul Heyman, you know, where he made him cry about, you know, calling up Dusty to do a, a skit in ECW. I mean, that still hits pretty hard to, to this day, you know, watching it back. The, uh, the absolute wrong decision occurred at WrestleMania. He should have won it back then. And, and I'm with Gary Kerhan when I say I will die on that hill. Like, he had... The whole world was behind him to end the the final boss era of Roman Reigns. But and uh, I think Gary is probably the most frustrated about of all of us, you know, because he was actually there along with uh, with John Isherwood. I can only imagine the reaction when the three count happened and the whole arena just deflated from that. But despite that, you know, the trilogy with Brock Lesnar, the feud with Dominic. It, in between at Money in the Bank. I mean, that that crowd alone singing Kingdom, probably one of the most deafening renditions of a fan participation I've seen in quite a while. And, you know, as you said, you know, his partnership with Jey Uso winning the tag titles, he finally wins his father's match. He wins War Games. And he's the one to get the win as well. You know, he's the one to deliver the pen on Priest. It was... He just keeps going from strength to strength and he keeps justifying, you know, why he should have won at WrestleMania. So he's going through these hard times for a reason. He has to get 
absolutely everybody behind him once again. And then I firmly believe at WrestleMania, this is where he will win the big one. Yeah, but I think he couldn't have done all that great stuff if he did win the title. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. So, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about number four. We're talking about someone who's nearing the end of the story in Cody Rhodes. Someone who's just at the start of the story. Um, she's not quite ready for her curse and call, darling. Is Tony Storm, timeless Tony Storm. Everything about this gimmick is over the top, kooky, wacky, brilliant. The the old Hollywood starlet, uh, broken, doesn't know who she is anymore, winning the title, and the, the, the obsessed fan, Luther is the butler, everything about this package, it's just getting going. Um, so much so that it's hard to believe she did have another title run at the start of the year, and she was part of the Outcasts and part of that um, sort of faction with Ruby Soho and Paige. It's just, um, oh sorry, Saria, part of the women's fatal four-way at Wembley. Just such a weird year for Tony Storm, and it's ending on such a high. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, much like I said with some of the other people on this list. The interesting part of this feud, I said, I said it with Asuka as well, sorry, the most interesting part of this gimmick, I should say, is what's yet to come. Tony Storm in 2024. It's it's going to be interesting to see, and I want to see how far, that, I, I want to see them let her take it as far as she's willing to take it. I think it's it's just a sensational gimmick. I think she's finally found a gimmick that works with her. You know, kind of like what Matt Hardy did with the broken gimmick. You know, people were just riding the momentum of that all the way till it started to die down. I think Tony Storm as well as, you know, she's still, we've said this before about Tony Storm. You know, she's, she's on a parallel with Rhea Ripley a little bit. You know, they're both in their late 20s and they're both, I think, at the peak of their respective careers in, in different ways. Because it feels weird, you know, to think she's performed in Wembley this year in front of 80,000 when we've seen her in Glasgow literally a couple of times performing for ICW in front of an audience of no more than maybe a few hundred folks. So it's she's really come leaps and bounds over the last few years. And this gimmick, you know, where Marilyn Monroe meets Audrey Hepburn meets the vaudevillains, it's, it's really working brilliantly. And she's so, so invested in it. And I really, really hope, you know, she just carries that as long as she can carry it. Yeah, I agree. Um, someone who's carrying something as long as he wants to carry it. Number three on the men's list, the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time, Gunter. I can't believe that there was a time where people doubted if he was going to be okay. The name changed from Walter to Gunther. Look at look at the Keith Lee tweet. If what I'm hearing is true, man, or Walter, or Walter. Look, whose career's going better just now? That's all I'm going to say. Gunther, now the longest reigning champion. I think we should all give him a big thank you, taking that record from the ridiculous honky-tonk man. Um, but Gunther, uh, barn burners against the likes of Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam, that no bread, no water, just meat match against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre at uh, WrestleMania. Three guys that knocked absolute lumps to get out of each other. 
Um, compelling matches against the likes of, you know, Mustafa Ali, uh, Chad Gable, smaller guys who really shouldn't have a chance going into these matches, but he made it seem mm. like they had a chance. And he recently just had a great match with the Miz at Survivor Series. Gunther is... To me, he will break out in 2024. For me, I don't think he should be a 2024 Royal Rumble winner. I think he's 2025. I think that's your made Royal Rumble winner for two Royal Rumbles from now. Mm. But I, I, I'm in no hurry to see him lose the Intercontinental title. I think if he defends it in a showpiece match at WrestleMania this year and walks out with the title, I, I wouldn't be mad. Keep that title on him as long as as long as you want to, until you're ready to pull that trigger, keep that title on him. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, much about, like what we said in 2022, you know, he had that banger with Sheamus at Clash at the Castle. He delivered match of the year then. And I think he's delivered match of the year yet again with the, the WrestleMania triple threat. Like, when you have the commentators standing up and giving you a, a standing ovation, that's how you know you've, you've done well. And, you know, it's a big meaty men slap and meat match, but he he makes it worth watching. Then I've said in the past before, I've described him as as a chameleon. You know, whatever the scenario, he'll adapt himself to make not only himself look good, but also give his opponent a fighting chance, no matter their size. Like there was a brief moment I thought Mustafa Ali could potentially dethrone him. There was a chance where Chad Gable could have dethroned him. Maybe even to an extent the Miz could have dethroned him at Survivor Series, but He's always come out on top and he's always over, over delivered. Not to mention as well, he's also set the record for longest time spent in a 30 man Royal Rumble. One hour, 11 minutes, 40 seconds, I believe it is. Yeah, more records broken in more ways than one. Consistent match quality, always at least four star or more, and a good handful of opponents throughout the entire year. Not to mention leading Imperium as well. So. Absolutely well-deserved, and I hope he does even bigger things in 2024. One hour, 11 minutes, 42. Yeah, you're correct. Ooh, uh, close. I, I was actually looking up just for our next uh, next person on the list, Becky Lynch, and at number three on the women's list. A bit of a weird time for Becky this year, uh, not involved in the main title feuds, but still winning two titles, having a great match with... Um, Great matches with Trish Stratus. She starts the year in the feud with Damage Control. She has that great steel cage match against Bailey. She has a year of steel cage matches um, <laughs> for Becky. She has the short women's title run with Lita. Say what we will about Lita. I know for Becky Lynch that was very cool. She is a, a, a Lita fan. Gets a, a massive showcase on WrestleMania with the six women tag. She then uh, goes into this feud with Trish. And then goes down to NXT and wins that one title she never uh, she never captured, uh, making her Grand Slam Becks. And from there, giving opportunities to people on the roster, the likes of Zaya Lee, the likes of Tegan Knox, the likes of Laya Valkyra, and two great matches with Tiffany Stratton uh, to boot, main eventing a takeover, another thing off the Becky Lynch uh, bucket list. Um, the Becky list. The Becky list, yes. And a great, the Beckett list. Shut up. Um, <laughs> a great a great year for Becky Lynch. And maybe 
I'm not having a pot shot at Charlotte here because I do think she's wasted when she's not in the title scene. But I could say the same about Becky and WWE have done so well at protecting her and giving her big feuds and big matches to make her still feel like a main part of the storyline. Um, and hey, who knows? It's 2024, the year she's back in the title scene. Are we going to see Becky versus Rhea at WrestleMania? I hope so. Like, I mean, it's difficult to really pick out a high-profile women's match at this point, but I would like to see them two go at it for sure. But yeah, I think you sort of summed it up best. This year has sort of been like a bucket list for Becky Lynch a little bit. You know, she gets a couple of cage matches throughout the year. She gets a tag title with one of her idols, Lita. She gets a very high-profile feud with Trish Stratus across multiple shows and multiple PLEs. And she also gets the chance to win the NXT women's title and elevate that fresh level of talent like John Cena did in 2015 with the United States title. That's what that reminded me of. And not to mention, you know, you the, the feud with Tiffany Stratton, I think, was brilliant because, you know, Becky had nothing to lose. Tiffany had everything to gain and they both benefited from it. That and, you know, she made Lyra Valkyria big name in NXT as a result, you know, when she dropped the title to her. But she didn't lose any momentum as a result. You know, people still know her as big-time Bex. You know, she's the man, the main event-level talent who who basically will have a constant wave of support no matter what she does. And, yeah, I really hope... I think the next step for her would be to capture the women's world title and maybe the WrestleMania match against Ripley might be the way to do it. Maybe, maybe. Uh, two very well-deserving number threes. Coming in at number two for the men's list, Seth freaking Rollins, the return of the World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, <laughs> so the drip god hold once again. An inaugural NXT champion, part of the inaugural Universal title match, and now the inaugural World Heavyweight champion. Matches against brutal matches but great matches against the likes of AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Shinsuke Nakamura, part of the War Games, great as part of this feud with the Judgment Day, and some great Raw title defences against the likes of Jey Uso and Sami Zayn in that time. It looks like he could hit the brick wall that is Drew McIntyre, but I don't think that will derail um, any of the momentum that Seth Rollins has built this year in an era where we needed a a workhorse champion to cover for the fact that Roman was going into a part-time role, Seth Rollins over-delivered, I think, and fair play to him because much like Gunther with the IC title, every mm-hmm. time Rollins finds that title, it's an absolute banger. He's, an, he's been an absolute workhorse this entire year round. Like Even before he won the newly rechristened World Heavyweight Championship. Like, he got a decent match at WrestleMania with Logan Paul. I mean, I mean, sure, it was the c- celebrity star-studded match a little bit. Obviously, KSI got involved in as well. But, <laughs> you're asking, was, you're asking the word celebrity to work as hard as Seth Rollins has this year by describing KSI as a celebrity. But I... I, I, I Prime is a... Is like a billion dollar brand right now. They're the, the, the sponsors for multiple football clubs. I think that's pretty much justified. Not to mention they've got tens of millions of followers collectively on social media. 
And so have the cast of Love Island. No one cares about them either. Anyway, Seth Rollins. <laughs> Touché. Sensational year, as you mentioned. I almost forgot about the feud with Logan Paul. Um, Aye. <coughs> at WrestleMania dressed as, like, the leftovers, uh, like, sweetie wrapper from a strawberry cream in a box of Quality Street. <laughs> I mean, that... I mean, talk about loud outfits. I mean, that was certainly... <laughs> certainly an, an eyesore. He did have the great match with Logan Paul. He has since then, was it was not Damien Priest as well? We had a great world title match against. Yeah, and this was when Priest, I think, was still holding the Money in the Bank contract as well. But yeah, Seth Rollins has basically filled the gap where Roman Reigns has decided to fuck off. You know, Seth Rollins has been the fighting champion that we all needed. You know, he's... And he said before winning the title as well, he's not going to worry about politics, backstage antics, part-time stuff. He just wants the title because he wants to defend it as a fighting champion, and he's done that perfectly. Uh, and it could be, uh, I mentioned uh, possibly hitting the brick wall that is Drew McIntyre, uh, who, by the way, absent from the top 15, which I thought was quite... Uh, Quite weird for Drew, but uh. well, he did disappear between Mania and Money in the Bank for a good while, and I don't know, he, he hasn't really bounced back really until that heel turn later in the year. Maybe, um, but if not, the next up for CM Punk could uh, sorry for uh, spoiler alert for mm-hmm. Seth Rollins could be CM Punk at WrestleMania, could be another WrestleMania match for Seth Rollins, Inject albeit in my veins. Albeit he'll be advertised for this one. Um, but Seth Rollins going up against CM Punk, potentially. Not happy at the return of CM Punk at Survivor Series. Um, I am very interested to see. But, and this is this is the testament of this top 10 list. There's so many people here who I'm looking back fondly over 2023 with. But I'm looking even more forward to what 2024 brings for them. And that's where I'm with Seth Rollins. And that's where I am with our women's number two, which is Eo Sky. Eo Sky, who was tied for third on points with Becky Lynch, but she was on one more list. So she takes our number two spot in top 10 women of 2023. Eo Sky, not before time, getting her moment, money in the bank winner. I feel that that Puerto Rico match against Bianca Certainly, that that reaction had something to do with that. EO wins to another deafening pop in London before cashing the title in at SummerSlam. And the the transition of power from EO Sky, from Bailey to EO Sky, um, is an interesting an interesting tangled web that's currently going on in SmackDown. EO Sky starting to fill damage control with more of her own cronies. We mentioned this with Bailey earlier. I, I just I'm really excited to see where this this goes with EO Sky. Hopefully, mm. the WrestleMania showcase that she deserves. Yeah, the workhorse attitude for EO Sky has paid off massively. You know, still heavy association with damage control in the early half of the year, winning. I wouldn't say winning the Money in the Bank was the first point where I thought, okay, maybe she could have a really good 2023. It was actually the match against Bianca in Puerto Rico at Backlash, where, you know, as were mentioned, you know, people were cheering for her to win and to throw in Bianca. But then we immediately said, right, no, she's got to win Money in the Bank and capitalise on that. And she's been holding the women's title ever since. And 
a good few defenses out of it, you know, defeating Bianca, uh, defeating Charlotte as well at one point. So and I think she's really starting to mold damage control into her own image now, rather than just being Bailey's sidekick a little bit. You know, she's firmly taking control as champion. And yeah, again, much like you said with these lists, you know, we're anticipating, you know, where things could go for 2024 for these people. And EOS guy is in a very, very good position at the minute. Maybe not as high as number two. I think I had her at number five on this list largely because of her sort of pretty tame first half of the year, but the second half definitely puts her up there. Yeah, I agree. So before we get to our number ones on the list, just remember, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Comment, tweet us, Facebook us, but poke us on Facebook. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Uh, send me a MySpace. Send me love on Bebo. Uh, let us know who are your top 10 of the year. Who would you have at number one? Who do you feel has been unfairly uh, left out? Who do you feel we've been unfair on? Who do you feel should have been higher, lower, whatever? Get involved in the conversation. Let us know. But before we get on to number one, what would you like to do first, David? Would you like to do the women's or the men's? Let's go men's first. Men's first. Okay. Well, from 10 to 1, we're doing this like top of the pops, only without <laughs> creepy 70s presenters. At number 10, Orange Cassidy. Number 9, Roman Reigns. Number 8, Jey Uso. Number 7, LA Knight. Number yeah. 6, Sami Zayn. Number 5, Will Ospreay. Number 4, Cody Rhodes. Number 3, Gunther. Number 2, Seth Freakin' Rollins. And our men's number 1 pick of 2023. He's better than you. He's better than anyone on this list. And you know it. He is the AEW World Champion. And he is, shut up, and he is one half of the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions. He is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MGF, our number one superstar on our top 10 list of 2023. I went back and forward on this uh, when I gave my list. I had Cody Rhodes at number two, MGF at number one. Cody Rhodes main event at WrestleMania, sensational achievement. You know, I mentioned the stat earlier on about how Less people have main event WrestleMania than being world champions in WWE. And Cody Rhodes main evented WrestleMania. Great. A lot of people have done that, though. No one has ever main evented a sellout Wembley for a promotion that's not WWE, for a promotion that wasn't WCW, for... For a promotion that, and yes, it does have a lot of money behind it, and yes, I've been very critical of Tony Khan, but this is a company that came into existence in January of 2019, and in the summer of 2023, they headlined Wembley, and MGF was the perfect person to do it. He's been the homegrown talent, he's been the standout of AEW, the standard bearer for AEW since he began. He's held the AEW title proudly, Great title defences against the likes of Ricky Starks, Daniel uh, Brian Danielson, Ethan Page on e- Ethan Page, easy for me to say, on Collision, the Grand Slam match against Adam Cole, eventually turning into that that heel, that face character, face for the crowd but heel for everyone else. He's he's got to the stage where. He accepted the crowd and the crowd accepted him. 
and it's led to him being even more over than he was before. He's just had a great feud with Jay White. Mm. I hope Adam Cole's better soon because I'd love to see them continue the Ring of Honor World Tag title run. And I'd also love, you know, they're talking about what what are they going to do for um, what are they going to do for All Out uh, 2024? Is MGF even going to be there? I think MGF versus Adam Cole again at Wembley Stadium. I would have no complaints about that. MGF has been absolutely sensational this year. Oh, he's a scumbag, but he's our scumbag now. (laughs) The transformation he's had from the start of the year, you know, he's been absolutely despised by the crowd, like crowds all around the world. But ever since he sort of won the title, he's gone from strength to strength. He had that banging 60-minute Ironman match with Brian Danielson. He's faced Kenny Omega. He's faced Jay White. He's faced the best of the best. The summer angle with Better Than You Baby definitely was the turning point. Like, it was a reason to finally get involved in AEW. You know, you were just waiting for when they're going to break up, when they're going to break up, when they're going to feud with each other. Is the Wembley match the breaking point? Oh, all the momentum was behind it. And he gradually turned face as a result. But he's done it in such a way where, like, the other superstars still hate him. But... Oh my gosh, it's been one of the best bookings of this entire year. And winning the Ring of Honor tag titles alongside his AEW title run, rocking as a double champion, pulling double duty multiple times on PLEs, etc. He's been an absolute sensation for AEW as of late. And seeing him at Wembley perform not once but twice. I mean, the crowd singing, humming to his theme as well. I mean, it just summed up perfectly. You know, the guy's had a rocket strapped to his back and he's rode it like a surf wave. Yeah, absolutely. And it it talks to the development and character. You mentioned the double duty, carrying the Ring of Honor t- uh, tag titles for Adam Cole while he's out injured. Um, the, the match against Samoa Joe, I almost forgot about because mm. at time of recording, he will have had his second match against uh, Samoa Joe at AEW's World's End. And I don't know why they'd name it after a pub, but you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, coming in 2024, AW Hegler Circus. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it just the the double duty and the the willingness to carry the title for the fans, for Adam Cole, for his to be our scumbag and yet at the start of the year when Collision launched or sorry actually just a couple of months before that when Collision launched in June um, he was supposed to have a world title match he picked a random jobber beat him in 30 seconds and went I've fulfilled my contractual obligation and left that was the storyline at the start of the year MGF was fulfilling his contractual obligation he Mm -hmm. didn't want to be there for the fans the fans didn't want him there. They hated him for what he did to uh, to Moxley. They hated him what he did to Regal. They hated him for what he did to Brian Danielson. Um, the disrespect he showed to New Japan Pro Wrestling at the World's Collide pay-per-view, uh, not the World's Collide, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Just the from there to the guy who wrestles on one leg against Jay White and doing double duty, 
just the the character one eighty has just been sensational and mm-hmm. right, long may it continue. Um, don't get me wrong, there's a few people I'm not happy to see going to AEW because I am more of a WWE fan. But I oh, I, hope he's, I hope he stays there and I hope he main events Wembley again and I'd love to see him main event Wembley against Adam Cole once again. Um, Hopefully so Adam go. Cole wins this time. Oh, I don't think we'll be getting you back to an AEW show if that doesn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, my reaction at Wembley from that result kind of said it all. <laughs> From the men's list to the women's list, so from our top 10, number 10, Trish Stratus, number 9, Diana Perrazzo, number 8, Bailey, number 7, Hikaru Shida, number 6, Asuka, number 5, Bianca Belair, number 4, Tony Storm, number 3, Becky Lynch, number 2, Io Sky, and number 1, I don't think it could have been anyone else, 18 out of our 19 contributors had her at number 1. She's number 1 with an absolute bullet. She is the most over-female superstar in all of wrestling right now. She's one of the most over-superstars, regardless of gender. She's part of possibly the biggest storyline on Monday Night Raw at the moment. She's the leader of the Judgment Day. I don't care what Damien Priest says. She is the women's world champion, the eradicator, Rhea Ripley, number one on our top 10 women of 2023 list. David, well-deserved. What can you say about Rhea Ripley's year? What more needs to be said? You know, it's Mammy. You know, she's start of the year wins the Royal Rumble from number one, goes the distance, bell to bell, gets her WrestleMania match against Charlotte, finally defeats Charlotte for the SmackDown Women's title. She becomes the first women's world champion rechristening the SmackDown Women's title. She has that amazing chemistry with Dom Dom still getting carried forward to this day and she's getting regular matches kind of like what Becky Lynch did with the NXT title she takes on all comers doesn't matter if it's Raquel Rodriguez Shayna Baszler Zoe Stark and even the returning Nia Jax of all people like her character her character work alone makes her the big name she is today and her matches are just the added bonus on this on this sort of cream at the crop, shall we say. She's the the cherry on top of this of this list for good reason. And you know, we beefed up rarely from the days since she arrived in NXT UK. And I don't think she's faltered at rarely any points, bar maybe one or two short periods where she was off with injury. But I think she has basically cemented herself as like the 10th wonder of the world now. I mean, no disrespect to China or anything, but it's going to take a truly exceptional talent to not rare Ripley off this pedestal. And I don't see it anytime soon, with the exception of possibly Becky Lynch. To me, it's the money match. It's the match that makes the most sense. But hey, listen, I know it might not be a popular opinion. It might be me just being a big impact mark. See if Diana Perrazzo comes through those Stanford doors, put her against Rhea Ripley and watch watch the money come in, honestly, because if you're not a believer in Diana Perrazzo, then you would be immediately after. But this as well, we talked about Rhea Ripley being over regardless of gender. I think the best moment that they described that this year where the the bloodline and the uh, the Judgment Day Uneasy Alliance where Paul and Rhea sit down and Paul says, 
I have to phone the tribal chief to make sure this is okay. And she puts the phone down and she goes, I say it's okay. So it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it was just to be given that spotlight when Roman Reigns is like a thousand plus days into the reign, when Roman Reigns is the most protected superstar in WWE, she is just, she is beyond, she's transitioned beyond, you know, just being in the women's division or just being in the men's division. She is someone who is, she's a, a generational talent. I don't think it's a hyperbole to say that. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that, that right? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. I don't think it's pish or me talking <laughs> straight to say that she is a generational talent. I think she is someone who has carried the company on her back. And, and as well, in NXT, you mentioned the relationship with Dominic Mysterio, being part of the driving force behind that, being a manager when she needs to be the manager, and then being the main event when she needs to be the main event. She being wears mammy hats. when she wants to be the main event. Yeah. And please don't say mammy. I'm pretty much done. Um, <laughs> we, we get people listening to us over their tea. Come on, David. Anyway, um, yeah, being the main event when she needs to be the main event. And yeah, just there are so many options. I know night two is Cody Roman with a bullet for WrestleMania this year. There are so many options for WrestleMania night one and Rhea Ripley against anyone because of Rhea Ripley and who she is and her stature this year, she is absolutely worthy of that WrestleMania main event. And you know what? I wouldn't be upset if she ended up there. Um, So before we go, folks, we'll once again give you the rundown of our lists and then let you know everything you can check out that we've done over the festive period here for, for, uh, for Impact Wrestling, for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Once again, our men's top 10 list, Orange Cassidy, Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, Ellie Knight, Sami Zayn, Will Ospreay, Corey Rhodes, Gunther, Seth Rollins, MJF, and the women's top 10, Trish Stratus, Diana Perrazzo, Bailey, Hikaru Shida, Asuka, Bianca Belair, Tony Storm, Becky Lynch, Io Sky, and Rhea Ripley. Any complaints with that one, David? I still think Dob and Priest should, should have been on the men's ones, but I digress. I think Dominic Mysterio missed out there, but I think the other Judgment Day guys sort of blurred together there, but unfortunately Dominic didn't make it. Right, if you want to listen to our massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news, let me tell you what you can find. Our last show, we mentioned Rhea Ripley being number one. We did a feature show on her, Rhea Ripley, a career retrospective so far available on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweets, iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. The fourth annual ESSR Christmas special, myself and Gary Kernahan, did a career retrospective of Billy Gunn from the 1999 King of the Ring flop to being one of the most overacts in wrestling today as part of the acclaimed and the trios champions in AEW. We have upcoming a Rey Mysterio profile show. We have Central every single week, when I can be bothered. We have Saturday Draft Live. We have always every Saturday. Which is always every Saturday. Well, it kind of has to be. You've hamstrung yourself there with the title (laughs) there. That's all I'm saying. 
That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, we have Scott and Scott and Grant released a show on the 23rd of December. It was called The Festivuses of Grieving. Uh, sorry, the errors. Start that again. Airing of Festivus Grievances, as on the 23rd, they had a special East Meets West where they bemoan every bad booking decision in New Japan this past year. They're looking forward to doing that. I'm looking forward to hearing that. And of course, much, much more as we head into the new year. Thank you very much for joining us us this year we hope you enjoyed it we hope you'll join us next year if you wish to join us it's at suplex retweet twitter facebook instagram youtube you name it we're on it hope you had a good christmas hope you have a good 2024 and we'll see you then bye bye sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.